Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm your host, Peter, and joining me today is Hyro from the True Bromance Film Podcast. What's up, Hyro? What's up, brother? It's about time you shoot me a little invite, man. Get me on this show. Well, you know how it is, East Coast and West Coast. It, uh, it it's tough, man, when you got to play daddy and husband uh, during the week. So it's uh, it, yeah, it's about time we finally got you uh, got you on the show here. I think one of the the last ones from the Following Films Podcast Network here. Oh wow, am I bringing up the rear here? Oof. Uh, well, I, I mean, there's some others that that like I don't even talk to, but I mean, <laughs> other ones, other ones that I talk with like on Twitter and such. And uh, yeah, I think you're the last one. So Dave's been on here, Mike, and then and Chris. So is uh, yeah, I, there's a couple cats that I, I I see their names in the following films. And I'm like, man, I really, I, I bet you that cat's pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I bet. There's those new guys that uh, I've been kind of talking with, so you know we'll see if uh, they get on here sometime soon. Who are the new guys? Uh, the guys over at the uh, the best and worst of the best podcast. So they're, they're kind of the the newer additions to the show. But uh, for the regular listeners of my show, they will probably uh, be familiar with me pimping out your show at the end of my episode. So for those that aren't familiar with it, why don't you tell them you know what you and uh, Barry do over at True Bromance? Oh, well, thanks, man. Uh, Well, we are a film review podcast, but uh, we like to say that we do it uh, by the people for the people. You know, we don't get into too much of uh, that highbrow breakdown of the themes and the the angles and the shots and the dollies, you know, all that stuff. We kind of just keep it friendly, keep it um, pretty much uh, just not surface level, but casual, you know. So, uh, you know, we drink beer, we we talk nonsense and you talk about the movie man we just we just have a good time pretty much and you guys do lists as well yeah yeah we do we'll do a top five top three list we try to pair with the movie from time to time uh we've been kind of mixing things up lately and just experimenting with with various things like once a month we've got uh we've got michael denniston coming on and, and doing like kind of a review of an older film and seeing how it holds up we call it bromancing the classics um we do the lists we've, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff they kind of just it's 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 structured yeah but you know we tinker quite a bit with it man yeah uh i was uh on your show not too long ago and we covered the the gods of egypt a great and, film great film yeah sir. very it's gonna win all the awards at the the next academy awards and uh we talked about whitewashing Watching. Yep. Yeah, that was that was our list. So that was that was a fun one. Just, <laughs> yeah. Despite how you feel about the movie, uh, I I had a good time. So hey, so did I, brother. So did I. Yeah. I, so, I think that the the there will be some awards for that movie come come end of the year. They might be Razzies, but they might be Razzies. Be, right. That's yeah. it. They're gonna win all the Razzies. Okay. So for your show, True Bromance, clearly that name was taken from a movie. You know. So your namesake is True Romance, right? No. No, okay. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just well, kidding, man. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Barry and I love this film, so yeah, it comes right out right off of it. Yeah, so that's awesome. I've never seen this movie, so this was my first time watch. Uh, I don't know why I missed it. It could be uh, when the movie came out. I was only 10 years old, you know, so we'll get into some of the movies that came out around that time, and let's see what else I was watching instead, you know. So this is probably just one of those that... Um, you know, I don't think my parents were like, no, you can't watch it. But because of like the the, you know, the contents of the movie, that's probably why I've missed out on it. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll save, uh, I guess, any other notes for later on. But um, so before we get into the movie, I want to talk about some of the number one songs around the time of its release and also some of the movies and see if you kind of remember any of them. And 93, this came out in 93, right? 93. 93, so, I was a junior in high school, man. So. I was probably, probably crushing it got, to some of these songs. Got some stories. You probably got some stories. So the number one song at the time was Mariah Carey's Dream Lover. Oh, I'm not a big fan of that song, but I do remember it. Yeah, okay. The number one song that preceded it, Can't Help Falling in Love from UB40. That's uh It's an Elvis song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I, that I remember it being prominently used in a movie somewhere. I, I just Sliver. Thought, Sliver, there you go. Yeah, I, I might have seen that a few times on HBO. 
Yeah, you might have been trying to watch it up <laughs> late at night, dude, breaking out the Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the number one song that uh, uh, supersedes it is "I Do Anything for Love," but I won't do that by Meatloaf. Oh man, that's is didn't Michael Bay uh, do that video? Um, that I don't know. I think I want to say he did, but uh, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody will check me on that. But another so, song that uh, blew up the. What the funny thing is, I know this song from that. Uh, you know, what's that thing on VH1? Like, I love the '90s or whatever. I love yeah. the '80s. Yeah. So they, yeah, they do different decades, and that's how I know that song because they always talked about it. And then they have like all these comedians and other people from pop culture. You know, like what is that that he's actually referring to? And it's funny because they keep asking that question, but I feel like well, clearly, like if you listen to the lyrics, isn't it cheating? It, that's what he won't do is to cheat. No, I don't. Well, I don't know the lyrics that well, but he he's saying I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. I, I guess. I mean, if he's if he's looking at it from the outside perspective, I you know the deviant savage that I am, I always was going into like, hey man, I ain't going, I ain't doing none of that analingus or cunnilingus or something, dude. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> he was channeling right. his inner uh, his inner prude. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I'm gonna have to go back and then uh, re. Uh analyze the lyrics a little yeah, bit yeah yeah dissect the song yeah the, the lyrics there you go uh analyze. Really, now you see now you got my curiosity peaked, man i, I want to know what the hell he didn't want to do yeah well there we go so we're gonna need the listeners to uh tweet at us and tell us about it so some of the movies that came out around the time of this is uh this release so tell me if you know these movies california what a k with uh brad pitt and juliette lewis man that's it uh the real mccoy that one i'm unfamiliar with Okay, I want to say that's the one with uh, what's her name, Kim Basinger, and I don't, I don't know if it's Dennis Quaid, but something about a like a painting maybe being stolen. Uh, no, I could clue. be wrong. Joy Luck Club. Oh yes, I do know that one. I tried to watch that a few times, man, but you know, didn't. It's it was too chick flicky, I guess. I don't know, man. Okay, too, okay, all right, not not up your alley. We'll we'll say. And don't don't be calling me no racist on here, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about the uh, the Age of Innocence? That is that one's on my list to see. That okay. one, I that's that's definitely on my list. Okay. The the program. Oh God, that's the football movie where they lay down on the road. I haven't seen it, but isn't it James Con? Yeah, it's James Con. Yeah. It's got the Buffy the Vampire Slayer in it. Mm-hmm. It's got it's. I think Omar Epps plays like the new running back coming into town. Um, to check that out. It's, it's really, really, good. really cheesy hack '90s movie. Okay, uh, the Good Son. Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the Macaulay Culkin and uh, Frodo joint, man. That's, yep, that's, that's all right, that's dude. It. That's got a nice little Sophie's Choice at the end of it. I I remember a little bit of it in uh, in one one scene in particular, uh, and then the last movie I want to throw out, Dazed and Confused. Oh, okay. Now, uh, actually, I've been hearing a lot talked about this movie now that Linklater pushed out. Uh, his latest, which is Everybody Wants Some, which is supposed to be like a spiritual sequel to that film. Um, oh, okay. And I have actually seen the, the Everybody Wants Some pretty recently. And and I'll say, man, that is fantastic. But Days of Confused is another great one. I, I just recently, like a few days ago, you know, started watching it again just to kind of refresh myself when I go to talk about Everybody Wants Some. Okay. Yeah. So so definitely to check out your coverage on that then. Yeah, I'm a um, Linklater fan, man. Yeah, did you uh, did you like Bad News Bears? Okay, <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan. I mean, everybody everybody you know strikes out at the plate every now and then. You know, not everybody okay. hits a home run every time out. But that guy's got a great batting average, man. He's got the Before series, Boyhood. He's got the uh, Everybody Wants Some, uh, Days of Confusers. It, it just goes on and on. Okay, all right, fair enough. So, uh, so now back to True Romance. This is something that. Uh, uh, I guess you can say that you chose it because I invited you on, and then I, uh, you know, people know that we do you know movies from back in the day kind of thing, right. and I think maybe you were under the assumption that I only do children's movies or something. Um, maybe I, I'm not sure because was, you said Return to Oz. Yeah, so the Return to Oz was it's it's a movie that that doesn't get a lot of play, but it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those quirky things that I thought from. Because I remember it real vividly from when I was young. So I'm just a little bit older than you. So I thought that that would be a good example. So it wasn't that it was a children's movie, but it was just a quirk movie that I really wanted to talk about that doesn't get a lot of play. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we, we can still eventually do that because – I'd like to. Uh, yeah, yeah, because um, 
you know, to to throw to help pimp out some of uh, a previous episode of yours. You guys uh, recently reached 100, so congratulations. Thank you. And uh, on there, you guys did like your top 10 like all time favorite movies. So I was listening to your list, and I'm like, how come he went with these movies or uh, Return to Oz and not one of these? So that's why I reached out and go, hey, you know, if you want to change it, I'm totally cool. Just you know, so you know, kind of thing. And and then you brought back up a uh, True Romance and. And I thought that was great because, uh, again, I hadn't seen it. And so I thought it'd be a very good chance for me to check it out. Yeah. When you when you said you hadn't seen it, that's what really piqued my interest, because um, as, a, as a cinephile myself, like it, it almost like offense to it. Like, what? You haven't seen this? <laughs> Are you crazy? And I can see like, you know, because I still show it to friends and I show it to people who haven't seen it before, because it, I think when it hit the theater, it wasn't a big hit. It's it's grown this like cult following well after its release, so it, it's become very popular. But at the time of its release, it just I don't I don't mean you could maybe check the numbers or whatever, but I don't think it was a big hit. Let's see the the budget was a uh, thirteen mil, and box office was twelve point three. Yeah, so it didn't so, even make its money back. So yeah, pretty right. much a, a bust, especially considering yeah. the cast that they have in this. Even for that Crazy. time, this is a big cast. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, we'll def- definitely get into that. But back to what you're saying about like, you know, you're just kind of like, wait, what? You haven't seen True Romance. That's how I feel sometimes when people are like, I, yeah, I haven't seen Back to the Future. Like, how, how do you miss that? Like the DeLorean, like you don't get any of that, you know? So, so no, I, I get that too sometimes. Well, there should be a law, man. If you haven't seen Back to the Future, you should probably pay some sort of fine or uh, do a little jail time or community service. Cause yeah, th- something. that's a, that's, that's a piece of Americana right there, man. You, sh- yeah. you, you should not be uh, allowed to hold an American citizenship without having seen back to the future. That's right. And I got one cause I was born in America. Uh, I was not. So I had to earn mine <laughs> by watching back to the future. Apparently that's it. That's it. That's all it takes. So with a uh, true romance, what, so what is your history with this? Like uh, what's like your earliest uh, memory uh, with, with this movie? To be honest with you, man, I can't remember watching it for the first time. I don't remember. I I don't remember how I came across it. I do remember watching it and just being blown away the first time I saw it. And I want to say that I went back and picked it up because of Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction came out uh, maybe 94. And um, for me for and for a lot of people, it was this like big groundbreaking thing. So I was kind of going back and revisiting what Tarantino had already done. So he had done Reservoir Dogs and he had, he wrote this script. So maybe that's how I came across it. But um, I, I didn't catch it upon its first release. I definitely caught it after the fact. Where, uh, how old do you think you were when you uh, first saw oh, it? I was out of high school. So probably 95, maybe 96, give or take around okay. there. So Just a couple years later then, so not that yeah, much Yeah, no, later. not much later. So it was one of those things that I kind of hung on to. And I, I, for me, like I guess my biggest memory was being blown away by it. But then also that experience of sharing it with friends, you know, because a lot of people hadn't seen it. So I would be the one kind of rant, ranting and raving for people to go see it. So it was always a cool experience to show it to somebody and then see their reaction, whether it was like, you know, great enjoyment or like pure disgust at the at kind of the mayhem and violence and, and the frenetic pace of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we're going to do what uh, Hydrate Level 4 kind of did in, in the beginning, you know, where I had my son uh, kind of check out the movies I was growing up. So so I'm going to be the son. You're going to be my dad in this Ooh. episode here. <laughs> all right, all right, oh, boy. <laughs> all right, man. I'll, I'll take you, you know, spank you a little bit, put you all on right. my knee and, and teach you a, little, a couple of life lessons. Uh, someone's going to enjoy that. So <laughs> so this one uh, directed by uh, Tony Scott, which was I did not know that until watching this movie and seeing the credits. I go, okay, directed by Tony Scott. I know that name. Uh, written by Quentin Tarantino. So this is something that people consider like part of his universe, even though he didn't direct it. And uh, I, I read like some of the connections too in the trivia, and I thought those were very interesting things. Uh, but uh, some of our players here, we got uh, Christian Slater as um, uh, Clarence Worley. Uh, Patricia Arquette plays Alabama Whitman, right? Whitman? Oh, uh, she, Well, she marries him, so Alabama yeah, she, Worley. Yeah, yeah. She, okay. Looking good, by the way. Looking she tip does. top. <laughs> she, she looks very nice in here. Uh, we got, uh, let's see... Mm, well, you got the, the, Christopher Walken, James Gandolfini, Dennis Hopper. You've got, man, a who's who of, of Brad Pitt's in here. Yeah, uh, definitely a who's who. I was going to try to uh, stick with some of the, uh, the the main ones and their names. 
But uh, I don't know, man. Maybe we'll just kind of like go through the movie and then we'll just mention them at that point because yeah, you're right. There's, there's too many so, of them. There's way too many of them. Let me see. There's anything else I want as far as technical? Hans Zimmer. I didn't know that he did the music for this movie. If you listen to that early, that that initial, well, it's like the main score that runs throughout the theme. It's kind of like a like a bell sort of thing, like a like a like a xylophone playing. Okay, uh, it's a homage to a Terrence Malick film called Badlands. Have you ever mm. seen that? No, I haven't. Uh, Badlands is a is it's, it's very similar where you know a, a older gentleman and a young girl kind of quickly fall in love and have this like crime spree. And, uh, you know, hijinks ensue, but this is definitely, a, it, that music is ripped right out of Badlands. Okay. So, the, yeah, that was, I, I had no idea. Again, I didn't even know Tony Scott directed this. All I knew really was your two leads, um, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. And I knew that was written by Quint, uh, Quentin Tarantino. That was basically it. And upon watching this, there was nothing that I saw in this movie that I even caught like on TV in passing. So that's how like fresh I'm coming into this movie. Nice. Yeah, so completely fresh. So let's talk a little bit about uh Clarence. Uh apparently he works like a at a comic book store. Yeah, he's he's the Michael Denniston of uh of uh <laughs> of this film right here. So so basically uh Clarence uh, he used to be a DJ right and pump up the volume and then now he's a podcaster cuz he's uh, watching movies at the theater by himself. That's it, just a lonely yeah. cat, man, you know, <laughs> with and, and his buddy, his boss uh buying hookers for him. Lance, yeah. So that's a that's a MacGuffin, right? That that doesn't even come back. I I, nope. I was I was listening for that too. I, I wrote down in my notes, Lance, you know, boss, and like he never came up came up. No, again. it's one of those Tarantino things, man. You know how he does those scripts, and he just throws things like that in there to kind of give um, texture to the script, and it, and it doesn't even like you said, man, it doesn't come back at all. But it does work in the moment. Yeah. So I am curious because I think he even asked like, oh, so you're like a hooker. And she's like, no, I'm a call girl. Right. Is that what she says? Or yeah, yeah she's she, like, she, yeah, when, when, when she's professing her love uh, to him on, on the billboard. Yeah. She, he was like, you're a whore. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. I'm a call girl. And there's a difference. Like, get your mind right. So what is the difference? There is no difference. I, okay. there, there can't be a difference. I, I yeah, don't okay. know. I have no experience in this in this matter. I'm, I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you want to put your business out there. Yeah, no, no, but uh, so basically, you know, because she had mentioned, you know, there's that one part she was like super emotional and she's like, you know, I'm not damaged goods, but clearly she is, you know, she's trying to convince him that the call girl is not a hooker or not even the same thing. Yeah, she, what she said, she only had like two customers or something like that before him. Yeah, he was like the third and, and wasn't it like her, wasn't it also like her third day or something? Did she even mention? Yeah, she mentioned something to the effect of like, yeah, it's, she's early on in, in the in the work process, but uh, yeah, she's damaged goods, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do like this. You know, we spend I don't know like at least fifteen minutes like just seeing them fall for each other. I I did think it was uh, weird that he's watching you know this uh, kung fu flick by himself, and then she comes out of nowhere, spills popcorn on him. I'm like, okay, something's up. And then so this billboard scene when she confesses that, yeah, she was hired for something. I thought it was going to go bad, you know, but but basically, yeah, the, his boss just like, hey, you need a good lay. So I'm going to hire a hooker for you. I, mean, I so, wish my boss would hook me up. Great relationship they have, I guess. That's a great boss, man. I mean, if, if yeah. he's letting them sit there, hang out at the store and read comics all day and then he's buying him hookers <laughs> on his birthday. He must be doing right. something right. <laughs> yeah, he's all right, man. He's, a, he's a decent boss. So, uh they they do get married. You mentioned it. So now she's a, a Worley. But um, I, he's got this uh, fascination with Elvis as well. What I wanted to ask you is, are you a fan of Elvis? Um, I mean, as much as the casual guy is, I mean, he's all right. I mean, I'm not I'm not wearing the glasses and, and rocking the fake flat top like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Elvis has some good tunes. I've got a bunch in my library, but uh, I'm not making trips to... Uh, to the wherever he's from in Tennessee, you know, like I'm not to right. The, what are you, Graceland? I'm not making Graceland, annual yeah. trips to Graceland and that, that kind of junk. But uh, you know, his music's all right. Yeah, I, I I think I'm a pretty big fan, but not big enough that I would go check out Graceland or you know even visit Memphis. But um, I've seen a lot of like you know uh, Elvis movies and even TV adaptations you know so I've seen like the the miniseries with uh, I forget the guy's name but he's on Tudors or was on Tudors Tudors right is that mm. how you pronounce that word yeah Tudors Tudors yeah he was he was on there uh, playing Elvis and then like the Kurt Russell movie that one 
Um, oh, the um, the one where they're flying out of the plane. No, 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 no. Oh, that's the three thousand miles to Graceland. Yeah, or something. I've seen that one too. But there's another one. Like I, I remember he actually plays like a young Elvis, and okay. um, his hair wasn't even like completely black. You know, there's another like, one coming oh, out here pretty soon with Michael Shannon playing Elvis. Yep. Matter of fact, a little inside podcast. This is this episode is going to be released for that week. Oh, really? All right, man. Yeah, a little, be... little Elvis theme there. But uh, yeah, you know, like I, I got his number one album or his uh, album called Number Ones, I think. So yeah, I, I dig a lot of his music. Uh, some of the TV stuff like Quantum Leap, there's an episode where Sam leaps into Elvis. That's one of my favorite episodes because of that. But it's not even about Elvis. He just leaps into him. So there's there's all these little things, <laughs> so man. You're, like, um, you're a lot closer to Graceland than I am, man. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. So I think I can uh, I can hang out with uh, Clarence here. I think we can Are you, you know, talk to him in the bathroom. Does he talk, do you talk to Elvis in the bathroom? I, I do sometimes. I mean, I call something Elvis that I talk to all the time. Oh, okay. You, yeah. Or in that case, are you like talking dirty to it? What are you doing there? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you know, whatever gets the job done, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the wrestling matches you got going on there. <laughs> That's all right. it. That's it. I wrestle with Elvis uh, on the toilet. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to jump to uh, to the drug deal with uh, where we get uh, Spivy, right? Uh, Drexel Spivy. So I... I'm pretty sure I didn't know that Gary Oldman was in here. I thought this was a pretty interesting scene. Samuel L. Jackson gets shot like after like two minutes on screen. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, but even those those few minutes that he gets are memorable because of the shit that, that script that Tarantino's popping out. You know, he's talking about going eating down, out, and eating ass, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, he's he's just laying it out there. What you motherfuckers talking about? Floyd say you don't be pussy. A Drexel. Sheesh. Any nigga say he don't eat pussy's lying his ass off. I heard that. Well, hold on a second. Big D, you saying you eat pussy? Yeah, motherfucker, I eat everything. I eat the pussy, I eat the butt, I eat every motherfucking thing. Yeah, right? If I ever did eat some pussy, I would never eat any pussy, right? But if I did eat some pussy, I sure as hell wouldn't tell no goddamn buddy about it. I'd be ashamed as a motherfucker, man. <laughs> nigga, you smoke enough sherm, your dumb ass would do a lot of motherfucking things. <laughs> You be up in there sucking niggas' dicks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty pretty vulgar, you know. But I was like, hey, that that makes sense, Samuel Jackson. But uh, the, the funny thing was, while I was uh, taking notes, and you know, this is still early on in the movie, I, I had the 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 cast listing in, in front of me, and like I, I think second or third or somewhere in the top five for sure is it Val Kilmer, mentor. So I go, all right, Val He's Kilmer's going to be. Sh-. Well, I didn't know that because you never see his face. Yeah, and. So so I was just waiting for this guy to show up and I'm like, did he die somewhere already? And I didn't see it. So I, I was waiting for them for him the entire movie. Yeah. And and so like I, I guess from what I read is that the the filmmakers excluded from using or crediting him as Elvis because of like litigation from the actual family, from the Presley family. They didn't want no Oh, drama. really? All right. I thought it was maybe yeah. like a directorial choice or something like that. Like, you know, to kind of because he's smudged in the background and it's kind of a surprise that that it is uh, Val Kilmer playing that role. Yeah, that that's and that's just what I read. But you know how people get they they read something and they interpret it something differently than they add it into like the IMDb trivia. Yeah, you know, and then most of us are like, oh, that must be true. Clearly, so uh, <laughs> yeah. so it, what what do you think about the scene with with the whole uh, you know Clarence is going over to Spivy and he's like, hey, you know, we're she's married to me now. You know, I want her things, and then he ends up. I, I, it, was it an accident that he ended up with a suitcase full of uh, coke? Yeah, yeah. So it's fun, and, you know, it's kind of funny that you keep calling him Spivy because everybody like I've ever talked to calls him Drexel by his first name. Okay. It's just interesting <laughs> to me. But, All right. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's because of the the IMDb the credits. You know, they show their full name, so I I don't know why Spivy just sounds easier to pronounce for me. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I will refer to him as Drexel because I think that's an awesome name. But uh, well, no, it's close to Drexler. You know, uh, very Clyde. very uh, Clyde yeah, the Glide. Clyde, Clyde. Also better than Kobe Bryant, but I digress. Um, I, 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 man, I, that scene is so crazy because, you know, you could feel the tension on Clarence. You know, you can see how like tense he is. He's trying to be a bad motherfucker, but he's really just, you know, he's, he's, he's real tensed up and and Drexel's trying to call him on it. And Drexel's, I mean, Gary Oldman is lost in that role. He, he's unrecognizable almost. I mean, if he, he's showing his face clearly, but it's just this other creature that you'll never see from Gary Oldman. 
and, and there's just so much junk going on with the porn on the top and and the the the, the Chinese food and the the light that he's swinging at him. Yeah, just so much stuff going on, and it just it's a blur of the senses. It's a great great scene. Even the music, that like crazy like '90s like techno music that was garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying. I actually dug it. I mean, because I know this was early '90s, but even even in the late '90s, when I was hitting up the clubs, that was my my jams. You know, I would listen to Darude's like Sandstorm and all that. Oh Jesus, man! Wow, you probably had like blonde tips on your. I did. I had that. I had the blonde bangs too. The blonde bangs before I went to the blonde tips. I had red. I had like red tips, but that's uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. yeah, I really, I really dug the scene, and I just kind of missed how he ended up with the suitcase because it, it took me a while to kind of figure out that he actually thought that he was taking her clothes back to her. Yeah, he, he yells at one of the hookers, like, hey, put Alabama's crap in a suitcase. So he just takes whatever she gives her. I mean, she's scared that dudes are getting shot in the face and then the balls and, and killed all over <laughs> the place, the which was awesome that he shot him in the balls first, you know. But – um. I, I want to say that the hooker hands it to him and, and then he runs off with it, you know, but it's got to have like a different weight to it. I mean, that like that much yeah. coat, you, you got to realize bit heavier than some clothes, you know, yeah, so. it's way heavier. So, uh, but yeah, I, I guess you're right. Cause it, it was probably just a prop and I'm sure it was empty while they're shooting it. So, but, but, but you're right. Um, yeah, te- technicality, but yeah, following this, the, I she fooled me. You know, he, he goes back home and he's all beat to shit, and she's like crying, and he's like, "What? What? What? What is it? You know, did, did I do some wrong?" And and he's basically mad because because uh, like, what you you ungrateful little whatever. And she's like, "This yeah. is so he's romantic." Jealous, basically, yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's, the whole thing is is out of pure jealousy. You know, he 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 wants to. I mean, he married a hooker. He wants to eighty six the pimp and assert himself as a man you know that he can that he can overtake this last dude and 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 and, you know claim his turf or whatever so i can understand where they're coming from as far as his crazy behavior and how he's jumping into her face and whatnot you know he's a jealous dude Mm -hmm. so we get mr whirly uh the the dad who clarence hasn't seen in like three years and i i kind of dug this too you know to kind of show like uh I just thought it was interesting the way the father and son relationship was written because, well, first off, you hadn't seen him in three years. And it's easy for anybody to kind of act and be like, well, you, I haven't seen you for three years. You show up and you just want money. But he's just kind of like, well, well, son, you know, I haven't seen you in three years. And and it's like he, he's still welcoming you yeah. know, to, to his son, you know, and not just like, well, oh, I only see you, you know, when you want something kind of, kind of attitude. So I thought that was kind of refreshing to see. Because it's because it, it's really tropey, right? When you are estranged from family member, it's kind of like, oh, what do you need now? Because I hadn't seen you in so yeah. long. The so um, it, it, I will say though that I think that they did a lot with little. It's a combination of the script and with the acting between Hopper and uh, and uh, Christian Slater here, where there you feel kind of that familial pain, that kind of because that he's a recovering alcoholic and he's isolated. Right. Even the setting that he's in, he lives like right by a train yard, like in a trailer, you know, like in the, yeah. in the, in the urban jungle that, that of shit. So it's a great setup of, of that family without going into this long backstory of, of what caused, you know, the strain, the stuff with the wife and, 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 and obviously the drinking. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. And I, I guess I need to remember since we didn't really go down the like cast list that when I introduce a new character, I should say who plays yeah, it's too. Dennis Hopper. You know, Dennis Hopper. No slouch rest there. In peace. Yeah, a, a few rest in pieces in here. Um, okay, so so basically, uh, Clarence, he's there because his dad is a police officer and he's just like, hey, just, you know, put your ear out there, see if they're coming after us kind of thing. And long story short, that uh, that, that they're in the clear as, as far as they know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He set him up, and and he's he, he supposedly he's good to go. But you notice that he doesn't want to divulge that he's rolling around with with Drexel's oh yeah big ass bag right. of coke. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I don't think I'd tell my dad either. I mean, especially if the dad is a police officer, he'd probably say give it up. And you know, I'm sure they're holding on to it because they want they want to get money out of it. Oh hell yeah, they are, man. That's a yeah. lot of money. So here's a a smaller role that I. Obviously, didn't expect Michael Rappaport playing Dick Ritchie, who's a up and coming actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another. I've never been a big Rappaport fan. I mean, I think I I dug him in a couple things, but you know, he he does a really great job here as the as the as the buddy. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I um one of my go tos is a uh, higher learning where oh, okay. he's trying to where he's trying to fit in and then ends up you know getting with the, those Nazis. Yeah, the Nazi skinheads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the yeah. one I like from him is Twenty uh, Fifth Hour. Is that the is, okay? Is that the the Spike yeah. Lee one Ed, where Edward the, Norton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one where um Barry Pepper needs to go to jail or whatever. Rosario Dawson looking fine as hell in that silver dress. Yeah, I don't remember what she wore, but I believe you. Oh, I got it. I got it marked down. It's in the spank bag, buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so now we get uh, uh, again. I did not know he was in here, but Christopher Walken as uh, can you pronounce his name for me? I have a hard time. Uh, Vincent Cocody. Yeah. There we go, Cocody. So it's a you know mob boss, and he is there uh, with um, Mr. Worley because because that's his drugs. Yeah. Right. His yeah. drugs went missing. There's no, you know, where's the money kind of thing. So, so now, now, uh, Clarence and Alabama, they got the Sicilian mafia, I guess, coming after them because now they're like, okay, well, we want our drugs because, you know, uh, because Spivy is, is now dead. His balls are shot. <laughs> and, uh, so, so now they're trying to find out where, where the drugs went. So I, I don't know how it led them there. Uh, so I, I guess. The, he they oh, immediately the are checking license. Fa- yeah the license but not only that but they're i guess they're going after family you know they know his okay. name because they got the license and the and they even make fun of it he's like laughing at him like is he, the idiot the i think he calls him a fuckhead <laughs> yeah because uh, in the dead guy's hand right drexel yeah still had the li- uh, driver's license in his hand when he when he was dead so th- this goes on for a while like uh this this scene here i felt like this is what you got from like De Niro and Pacino in Heat, right? The the the, the cafe yeah. table scene. So this is what this is basically in a trailer between these two uh, actors who are known to be just really outlandish. And uh, I just I, I really dug the dialogue here. And oh, did you I, now? <laughs> I, well, you know, it was a good scene. Like I was engaged. I was like, it's What's my favorite happen? scene as well, man. But I just wanted to see where you're gonna go with the old racist shit, man. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, well, it's Tarantino. He's gonna throw some end bombs, you know, where he sees fit and. And, and so he compares. Uh, well, he says Sicilians Sicilians come from the African Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, he lets it on him. He tells him that the Moors pretty much conquered Sicily and and, and changed the gene pool there. And yeah. the the best part of it is that setup where he's talking about the pantomimes and uh, what well, Christopher Walken is talking about the pantomimes and like you the can't lie to me and stuff. Yeah, and then he, yeah, and then the the the, the check mark, the exclamation point at the end of that scene is the. Um, is the so tell me am I lying and just right. the, the the knife and he twists it right into his belly. That's it. That, that that's what it is. And and I just I just like the like you said the the setup how Kakodi he's just like you know I can tell if somebody's lying and and yeah. so that's it. So there's just this extremely long story about Sicilians coming from black people and and that's a, okay so am i lying and so yeah just just a facial reaction on christopher walken and and every time like uh mr worley would say something christopher walken would turn around like you, you kidding me like you hear this guy and they would just start laughing at each other so yeah it was just a well well acted yeah scene. well acted well composed the music that's going on behind it and gandolfini standing right behind him just like the oh, look right. on his face of curiosity and like he knows it's coming you know, yep. it's just an incredible scene. A young and thin, thinner Gandolfini. He was Virgil. still a big man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that scene is fucking awesome. It, it really is. I mean, it, and it goes on forever. And, yeah. and just the detail of, what, of the story, just all of it is incredible, man. I, I dug that shit. But it's, it, it's, uh, it's not something you can, like, add to a clip, you know, in, in a thing, you know, because it's so racist. Yeah, but it's awesome. I I probably can add a clip. Why not? <laughs> Do you, man? It's your show, brother. It's your yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, drop it right hey. there. Whoop. Yeah. You see, uh, Sicilians have uh, black blood pumping through their hearts. And, and no, if you, if you if you don't believe me, uh, you can look it up. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, you see, uh, the Moors conquered Sicily, and the Moors are niggers. So you see, way back then, uh, Sicilians were like uh, wops from northern Italy. Uh, they all had blonde hair and blue eyes. But, uh, well, then the Moors moved in there and, uh, well, they changed the whole country. They did so much fucking with Sicilian women. 
huh? That they changed the whole bloodline forever. That's why blonde hair and blue eyes became black hair and dark skin. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me to think that to this day, hundreds of years later, that uh, that Sicilians still carry that nigga gene. It, it ain't me saying it, you know. So, That's but true. yeah, it's it, it's a ridiculous dialogue. It's it's it's, it's crazy. But w- one thing I didn't even mention: how this being a, a, a Tarantino script, it being directed by Tony Scott, it's it's actually linear, you know, as opposed to most Tarantino movies are not. So, so I liked that, and I think that helped me with taking notes as well. So uh, I did kind of appreciate that from a directing uh, standpoint. You know, at this point with with uh, Tarantino, we've seen his films so much, so many times, and his films are filled with like background stuff. You know, the, you know the red apple cigarettes and and the big Kahuna burger and all that stuff that kind of flows through a bunch of his films, and his films are filled with so much style. But it feels like Tony Scott really captured that, so it, it lends to the theory that a lot of what is put into onto the screen is coming right off the script. Like it's not a lot of Tony Scott's doing, or maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, it's theoretical at this point, but it just, because it falls so evenly into this Tarantino world that he's built up, it feels like it's lifted right from the script. Like that script must've been detailed as hell. No, I bet. I bet. I mean, I, you got to imagine that it was because like they even split it up into two movies, right? I mean, the other half ended up becoming natural born killers. Oh, did it really? Yeah. So that that's that's from what I read, you know, Tarantino had it as this big thing and then ended up doing Reservoir Dogs and I don't know, there's this big story. I'm just like, wow, that's super interesting and I could kind of see it. I don't remember Natural Born Killers that well, but I mean, like uh, earlier when I read off some of the movies that came out like this year or around this time, California, you know, which is also probably about like a, a couple who got into a lot of trouble as well. Right. I mean, I never seen it, but I'd imagine it was. Uh, so you know, they, they were doing things like that. It's kind of like a, like a modern day, uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde slash like Romeo and Juliet kind of thing back in the nineties. Uh, the next next note I got is uh, Elliot Blitzer, played by Balky. Balky Bartokomus, yeah, 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 from <laughs> Perfect Strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- this is, I think, I think this is the first time I've seen him speak pretty normal. You know, I, I haven't seen four rooms, so I don't know how he speaks in there. And, uh, you know, I the only other thing I know him from is the Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, where he plays the guy doing the espresso. Yeah. So so this 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 was nice to see. He's uh, he's uh, Dick Ritchie's uh, friend who's also an actor. Yeah. And uh, they I guess they're setting up a meeting with the producer, Lee Donowitz, who is played by Sal Ru- uh, Rubinick. Ru- is that how you say I it? guess. But he's one yeah, of those yeah. guys that you see him in tons of movies all the time. See him and everything. You see his face. You're like, OK, that guy. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's he's awesome. And I guess his character is the son of the uh, bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, is it really? Yeah, who is also a Donowitz. I, I forget his first name, but uh, Donnie but Donowitz. That. His name is. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so there it is. So when Tarantino did that movie, he wrote that. It's like, okay, this is gonna be uh, uh, Lee's dad, or yeah, Lee's dad. Wow. So okay. yeah, so he was in that war, and then now, and then now Lee is like directing like uh, like Vietnam War movies. Vietnam War movies, yeah. Yeah. So that's and doing one of those hell of a lot touches. of coke as well. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Uh, so. Do you, you I, I'm assuming you like both characters. They, I, I think they're both both really good. Yeah, man. They both. It's that's the thing about this movie. It's filled with the cast is a who's who, like we talked about. But they all bring this like life to these characters. These crazy characters that that fill that timeline of Clarence and Alabama's journey. You know, you see these things pop up, like Walken's character and Hopper's character, and they're not on screen for a very long time, even Samuel Jackson, but they're just so like well-defined, well-written, and they just pop out at you. And and, and these two are, are, are no different. And, and there's more to come as well. You know, yeah. like even the, like the bullshit on the, on the, on the roller coaster, you know, the little nugget of um, of Bronson Pinjo's character trying to show out and driving the Porsche and all that stuff, you know, it's just fleshing out those characters quickly but really thoroughly. 
Yeah, you mentioned the roller coaster, which I did not write down. However, what I read was that that was a choice by Tony Scott because I, I guess in the original script they were supposed to be at, at a zoo, and Tony Scott it was wanted something more adrenaline inducing, you know, so he went uh, with the roller coaster. Yeah, it's a good choice though. Like it's a good choice, and it also lends well to like uh, muffling the conversation of selling, you know, two hundred, five hundred grand yeah. worth of coke. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we got a scene of Virgil and Brad Pitt. Uh, obviously I didn't know. And it's so weird because he is so well known now. It's hard to watch this movie and be like, oh, he was a nobody at the time, kind of, right? Because, well, I don't know when Thelma and Louise came out, but I'm sure it's early 90s as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You had like Interview with the Vampire was maybe 90. No, it couldn't have been 92. Was yeah, it? I'm not sure. No, I'm not positive. But, because uh, he would have been known by then. But uh, Legends of the Fall, I think, was 93. Also one of my favorites. definitely really early in the career, for sure. Yeah, so so that was really interesting to see, where he's just a stoner that's always on the couch, which is what I read was a, a choice by Brad Pitt. He's like, I just want to be like always on the couch. you know. And so they did it, and I, I, th- I thought it worked. So Virgil Gandolfini comes over and is like, hey, you know, where, where's your boy Clarence? And he's like, well, he's not my boy, but he was here earlier, and he's just high, and I thought it was funny. It, it's fine. Um, so the uh, so Virgil goes to the hotel, and there's a beatdown with uh, Alabama, and all I have is that it's just brutal as hell. Very hard oh, to yeah. watch. Hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, he he lays the lumber to her, and, and the the beauty of it is that she she fights back. You know, the the, the energy and and Gandolfini respects that man. I think that's a, that's a, just so many classic scenes. I mean, he just he runs her across the that table or the that dresser, just like smashing all kinds of crap. I mean, he just goes banana on each other, and and then like again another another character development piece where he's telling that story about the the first guy that he kills and blah blah blah. He talks he talks really in depth, and you get this almost honor among thieves sort of thing out of him where he's he's given respect to her by 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 letting her know that 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 I guess yeah that he respects her yeah what what I liked about the scene is because all right so Clarence drops her off because he goes to pick up food or something I I, I missed yeah what? he's at the big kahuna burger okay right and so so she's there and she walks in and he's sitting there like in in their room and uh, she knows automatically what's going on and she plays it off. You know, he's like, so you Alabama? She's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not. And so she plays it off as that that he's like in the wrong room kind of thing. But he doesn't fall for it. Right. And that, so we get this whole beat down. Uh, what I read was that apparently the actual James Gandolfini, he wanted her to actually use the corkscrew <laughs> on and, him. Yeah. On him. Like like he, he wanted for her to just go for it. But but like the 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 filmmakers were like no no we're not we're not gonna have you we're not gonna have her really stab you with a corkscrew. And He's so got they enough meat else. though on his body. I thought I bet you like if she jabbed it in anywhere, <laughs> dude, like it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, but yeah, so they're just like no, we're we're not doing that. But he was just like yeah, no, I inflict the pain, give it to me, kind of thing. And though they ended up using something else to kind of kind of help that. But yeah, man, it's just, it's crazy how everybody's like they're they're giving like hundred and fifty percent in this movie. It shows, man. It, it definitely shows up. Yeah. One of the things I, I forgot to mention at the top here is that um, I, I like Christian Slater. I'm not a huge fan of him. Like, I'm not going to watch everything that he's in. But I, I dig him in some of the things. You know, like uh, one of my guilty pleasures is Gleaming the Cube. You know, that's one of <laughs> Is that the skater thing? <laughs> that's a skater one. Yeah. So, you know, I dug him in that. Uh, he has an Asian brother in, in that movie. So, you know. Shout there out. you go. <laughs> How does that work out, though, biologically uh, speaking? Uh, well, well, I, I think I think adopted or something, but the Asian brother dies, so you got that. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, how quickly does he die? Is it one of those things like I, yeah, uh, revenge? Is a re- revenge flick, if I remember correctly. Uh, I never caught Heather's. That's one I also missed out on, and I know he's in there. Uh, clearly, he was in interview with the vampire, so I saw him in that. Have you ever so, seen Mobsters? I know of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it's 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 that's a guilty pleasure for me, man. Like okay. where he plays uh, Charles Lucky Luciano, and and you've got oh, Meyer okay. Lansky played by uh by um, Patrick Dempsey, uh, the McDreamy from uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. So these are uh, real real uh, life people they're playing. Yeah, they're playing real okay. life mobsters. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I I would have checked that out had I known. I just thought it was one of those things that they're just gonna make a gangster flick, you know? No, and they no, were no. fictional characters. Like, those dudes are real okay. gangsters in real life. Okay. They're they're okay. classics. They're they're heavyweights of like I don't know how like into like crime sagas, but those those guys are are classics. 
I know those names for sure. Yeah, yeah. Luciano. And then uh, I want to say it's Richard Grieco plagues Bugsy Siegel. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. So this is basically like uh, it, it's almost like it, it parallels Public Enemy, right? With, with yeah. the same kind of cats, basically. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's basically the nineties. Uh, they they tore they took open like one of those Tiger Beat magazines, right? And they took everybody it. from inside and started putting him in this movie. Yeah, yeah, because Richard Grieco, like what I remember him from was like License to Kill. Oh you know, God, like, Twenty One Jump Street, <laughs> that too. Yeah, and of course, uh, Night at the Roxbury, the classic. <laughs> oh well, well, he plays himself in that one's a little different, but <laughs> best uh, role ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so so Elliot gets pulled over with Coke, and uh, I dug this. You know, apparently, I I think he improvised uh, his lines. Um, so he gets pulled over, going I don't know how fast he was going, but he's speeding, getting roadhead. You know, and yeah. I just like how trying to show out, man. Yeah, he's trying to get this girl to like hide the bag of dope, and she's just like, "No, I'm not doing that for you." And then like he ends up uh, the bag rips and just gets all over his face. And I just, I just thought that was funny, and it reminded me of Scarface a little bit. Oh, when he's like shoving his face at the end <laughs> into the fucking pile of coke, yeah. yeah. It, it's just another thing, man. Uh, and like I said, this the, all of these characters just being fleshed out quickly and just just dumping them at you, but they got a lot of depth to them. Yeah, uh, and this next uh, next scene shortly after it is also one of my favorites, just because I, I'm actually a fan of Tom Sizemore. I really I really dig him. So we got Nikki Dimes and Cody Nicholson, which is your uh, Tom Sizemore and uh, Chris Penn, who are playing cops and they're interrogating um, Elliot and they're trying to get him to basically give up his boss, yeah. you know Lee. So you know they convince him to wear a wire and all this is really nice. I I I I dug this subplot here. Um, we get a scene where uh, Clarence, you know, he he finds Alabama, you know, and he feels real shitty leaving her by herself. You know, he's apologizing. It broke my heart, man, just seeing because like, I'm I'm already digging this couple. You know, yeah, and, no, and, it, I think their their relationship is believable. As insane as it is, it does have like this endearing thing to it. You know, it, it, they're they're kind of cut from the same cloth. They're two giant losers that kind of came together. Yeah. Two peas in a pod is what I put in my notes early yeah. in the movie. Like yeah. early on, I got that chemistry right away. So yeah, they're they're talking about like you know going to the airport and going to Cancun, and so you know just um, I didn't feel like it slowed down. It just made sense. This is what they're planning to do. So you know again, this is just like more reason to like let's hurry up, sell the dope, get the money, and let's just get on with our lives. You know we so Dick Ritchie gets uh, he gets the acting gig. You know we saw him like audition earlier, and he wasn't doing so well. Uh, and I thought that was kind of funny. His, but, and the, um, the show he's auditioning for is this old '80s thing called TJ Hooker. This hot oh, right. mess of a show, man. I oh used yeah, because they 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 ask like, "Oh, are you going to meet Shatner?" And he's like, "Oh no, no, it's going to be or I, I forget the line." But I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. They dropped that in there too. And the funny thing is like how little they let him talk. She's, and then the 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 casting director's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you're a great actor." She's like just shooing him along. Just get out of here. Yeah, and yeah, come to find that he really got that role. So yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, so we got the the scene where they set up the wire on Elliot. You know, he's he's just really he's he's just scared. He's like, this isn't gonna work. You know, the he's got the the like the receiver like under his nuts. You know, it's supposed to be yeah. like really big or something. So he's scared that's gonna fall. And um, but what I like again is this elevator scene because I didn't know where it was going. It was tense as hell. Uh, you got uh, Clarence has got the gun up to Elliot. He's like. It's like you know this this this, this smells like shit. Like so, so what's up there? What's up there waiting for us? And yeah. I really thought he was gonna shoot him. At the same time, you got the cops, Tom Sizemore and Chris Penn. They're just and they're like loving it. They're they're loving everything. He's like, oh, he's not gonna shoot him. He's not gonna shoot him. Shit, he's gonna shoot him. He's gonna shoot him. So I I, I dug that. It's just it, it and then when really it's all good. like said and done, they're all like, I love this kid, man. I, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a madman. Yeah, that's it. And then so already at this point, we're like an hour and twenty minutes into the movie. Like the next forty minutes, the, the ver- I, I think there might be a few different versions. The one I I, I watched was two hours. Yeah, give or take. Is that uh, I've only seen one version of it, so okay, okay. So it's probably the same one, but basically the next forty minutes is this big ass uh, bloodbath scene in Lee's um, penthouse, penthouse or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. So so he, you got the dad from like. Uh, what was that TV show? Something Charlie? Good luck, Charlie, or something? I mean, do, do you the blonde guy. Yeah, yeah, the big blonde guy. Yeah, he's like the dad on like a Disney Channel TV show right now. So I saw him. I was like, this is kind of weird, um, seeing him as like a like a this guy with the gun. You know, he's Lee's like bodyguard. I really like how everything played out. So Clarence is there, 
he's like, look, I got a gun. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be straightforward. I got. I got this gun. Uh, I just want to get this done. And then like Lee's like, okay, so you got all this dope, and you only want it for like two hundred thousand dollars. He's like, this is like a million bucks here. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, I, I just, uh, I really liked uh, how it just stayed in this room. I, I, I was surprised that the movie basically kind of ended right here. I know we got the last scene on the beach, you know, and they got the kid now, yeah, who, who they named Elvis. But like, literally, at least half an hour was all in this room. You know, you got the cops coming in, bu- busting up the joint at the same time when Clarence got up to go and use the restroom. You know, and so like it, it looks like that. Uh, you know, he was the one that m- might have been the, the the snitch. But then just a culmination of everything. You know, just so much happened. Yeah, it's this big Mexican standoff between That's all it. all parties involved because the mob busts in too. The cops are are busting in the guards don't want to give away anything they're angry everybody's so belligerent at that moment and and there's just it's a great combination of that script it just all comes together in, in this great giant mess and it's yeah. become kind of like a classic tarantino thing right that's it i mean they uh desperado and, and all that they they all do it uh pulp fiction yeah yeah it was uh it was, it was a a great end to the movie and when i saw clarence shot in the eye i was like oh he's dead <laughs> and then i didn't even see him move and she's like you're alive you're alive and i'm going go i didn't even see him move so um but yeah it was, it was good man i i um i it'd be cool if they did like a sequel you know with, with elvis is a teenager now and his parents are trying to help him out get out of some trouble i don't know it'd be interesting to see where this couple goes yeah, I, I I love this movie, man. It's obviously one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just because I think that every time I watch it, I get something like something new that you kind of you're not getting like these great big themes and stuff like that out of this, but you're you're seeing how layered it is. You know how many crazy things are going on in the background and and all these crazy actors and characters and coming and going. It's just incredible film. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's really good. Let, let's just jump into our ratings right now. Uh, I usually have the guests go first, uh, but you having a show titled True Bromance, you know, people can probably have an idea <laughs> of what you would rate it. So I'm going to go first just because people might be curious, you know, what I would give it. Um, yeah, man, Quentin Tarantino, he writes great scripts. You know, I'm, not, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but I, I'll watch anything he puts out. You know, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Tarantino movie. A great one. Uh, yeah, and and Tony Scott, you know, it's a very good director. He he does action very well. I was so surprised of like how all the the big names are in this movie, and it does not feel like you know how these Marvel movies they got like all these characters, all these superhero movies they got all these characters, and like they can't even write a good story. You got all these big ass names, and it was hard. You know, it could be hard for someone like me to get out of it because I'm just so like oh. Tom Sizemore, but these people, man, they 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 go for it. They they really own like each of these roles. I'm gonna give this a five, a five out of five, man. It's a, it's like a perfect movie. I, I had yeah. no problems with it. I had no problems with the pacing. Uh, it's two hours, but it was a fast two hours. Hell yeah, you know, really dug the couple, the Elvis thing. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. You get to see him a little bit later again. It, it, it happens to be every time he goes into the bathroom. So I don't know if that's a joke of how like Elvis died in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. So that's that's what I'm gonna give it, man. It's a it's a perfect movie. I probably put this. Yeah, I've never done a Tarantino list, but I probably put this at like two, three, something like that. But I'd, I'd really have to look at all his movies and and figure it out, man. I, I loved it. Great movie, man. Thank you for uh, introducing it to me. Well, son, I uh, I'm gonna <laughs> concur. Obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it also a perfect score. I think this is a perfect movie, and I, I mean, it, there's no flaw in it. I don't see a single flaw in this movie. Um, I'm never bored. I've watched it a thousand times. Like on my show, we do 10 out of 10 or same thing, five out of five, whatever is perfect. I never give a modern movie a 10 because a a 10 for me is reserved for something that I've seen so many times and I've chopped it up a billion different ways. It's, it has to stand the test of time to be a 10 in my book. Like for you, like this is a 10 right now, you know, but how is it going to sit with you 10 years from now? How is it going to sit with you 15 years from now like that? So for me, it's taken a long time, but it is a perfect movie. I've got everything in that I will say is a 10 is going to be something that I've had to revisit and chew through. So this movie for me, it holds up so well. I've, I've seen it, you know, a thousand times. I always get, have a good time with it and it's, it's just, you know, top two or three films overall for me all the time. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very good. You say that uh, it still holds up. Absolutely, it does. This is a what a twenty no. Uh, let me see, ninety three. So we're looking at a twenty three year old movie. There's nothing in that movie really dates the movie nope. except for you know the actors. That's it. Yeah, the, how young they you are. Know, that's it. Yeah, if you watch it in Blu-ray, easily it looked like it could have been filmed like this year. Yeah, and there's no technology, nothing holding it exactly. back. Exactly. And because of like the music and all that stuff is like already classic music at the time. You, fuck mm-hmm. it, man. It's it'll hold up. It'll hold up for a very long time. Very, yeah, and kind kind of the same thing with like this isn't the greatest example, but like Back to the Future, you know, the first movie it takes place mostly in 1955, so in in the, in that sense, like yeah, it, same thing with the music in this movie, their old uh, old songs in Back to the Future, it takes place mostly in 55, so the only thing that dates it is the stuff that takes place in 85. Yeah. So aside from that, yeah, it, it, they're they're pretty timeless. Even like the style choices, like the clothes and stuff like that, they're wearing like the mops are all wearing suits, cool. The cops are wearing mm-hmm. cop stuff. And then them, they're they're such they're wearing timeless clothes. They're not wearing anything that's very, you know, dated. You know, it's not like they're wearing like thermo uh, what do they what do they call the cross colors? Dickies. Or- well, what about the Dickies, you know, the uh, turtlenecks? <laughs> <laughs> what was those clothes but- that used to change color when you touched it? Oh, I don't know what they were called, but like basically the Climate back to color part something? two. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but 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 you're right. Um, e- even if they were wearing something dated, like the style even now is like retro, you know, vintage yeah, clothing. So yeah. yeah, it would, yeah, it would still hold up, man. I I, I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, probably not anytime soon, but it's something that will um kind of make it into my rotation. I'll end up buying it the next time I see it. There you go. Yeah, you know, at the store, I definitely want to own it, man. It's 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 really good. There's so. a lot of versions out. I recommend getting the. It's called the unrated director's cut. It's I guess okay. there is a different version. It's this one. It's got three different commentaries on it man and uh one is by tarantino one is by the director and then one other one is by the actors it's just you have to watch it three times to get all of it and then i didn't there's a whole nother disc that goes with it that has all behind the scenes stuff that i i'm going to check out here in the near future yeah the the music's great the score is awesome like uh, you know i was just thinking about it at work this morning when i was working and i was like you know i i think i want to see if there's like a like the, the the album score is available, you know, like on Apple Music. I want to check that out, but I dug it. I dug it. it at some point ago, this is so like early '90s. It almost sounds like like how I think of uh, the Bloodsport score. You know, there's just that really slowed down, not quite mm-hmm. haunting music from Bloodsport, but Hans Zimmer does something kind of similar to the the score in this movie too. It's kind of haunting, but not really. But it's very melodic. Uh, just it's very good, man. There's great things. Um, about this movie overall i i can't and the soundtrack along with the score the soundtrack that they used you know some of the like i bought the soundtrack for this and some of the artists like there's a, there's an artist a pair of artists called carlos and eddie they sing the song that goes on during the love scenes called wounded bird it's almost impossible to find that that song anywhere but it just fits that scene so perfectly and then they weave in all the elvis music and all that stuff um it, it's it's so well done, you know, everything from top to bottom. So whoever for all the players involved, whether it be the script writer with Tarantino or Tony Scott, the Scott, the director, the actors, everybody just at the top of their game here. Yeah, absolutely. So again, why don't you tell uh, listeners where they can check out your content and how they can find you on t- uh, on the internets? Uh, well, we're at truebromancefilm.com. That's our website, or you can. We do a lot of tweeting, so we tweet a lot. We're at True Bromance Cast. That's true without the e. Um, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. If you throw it into Google, it's True Bromance Film Podcast. You got to add that little film thing in there to differentiate us from from a movie from this movie. So True Bromance is what we are. Yep. So again, I always tell the listeners to check out the show notes because I include all all of those links. You know, I'll, I'll even throw your website on there if you like. And uh, you know, I usually include like the iTunes link and also like your guys's Twitter handle. So um, just like your show, my other show, Original Remake, and this show, Hydrate Level Four, all of ours can be found on FollowingFilms.com, including other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Study with our good buddy Dave, and also War Machine versus War Horse with our buddy Mike. Uh, if you want to check out some of the other shows I do, I do a list show, which is a weekly show that I host with Devin, where we pick a topic and we discuss our top five favorites of that topic. Uh, I also cover 
the Back to the Future, the animated series on a podcast. Uh, you can find that at barrenspace.com. And if you're a fan of Full House, well, Devin and I also covered Fuller House on one of our sister podcasts called TV Ate My Brain. And uh, for those that like Michael Denniston and like Silicon Valley, well, him and Chris are covering that on TV Ate My Brain coming soon, depending when you hear this episode. So until the next episode, for Hyrule, I'm Peter. This is Hydrate Level 4.